1: Welcome to Mixtape Theology. I am Dr. Ashley, and I'm glad you have joined us for another Mixtape Theology podcast. We're so glad you joined us today, and here at Mixtape Theology, we have a lot of fun. We like to uh, listen to 90 CCM. That's kind of our go-to, but all Christian music, and um, think about what we were listening to back in the day, what God was teaching us, how we've grown since then and in, in our theology. And so talk about the theology of some of our favorite music, as well as get a little nostalgic uh, sometimes make fun of ourselves from time to time. Uh, but most of all, just uh, joining together uh, under, under Christ and, and just this blessing of music that he's given us. And um, so it's just it's fun to talk about something that's so important to all of us. And uh, and it was an important part of our lives and our upbringing. And um, everybody's got a different story, but, but this contemporary Christian music is kind of what has brought us here in this podcast. And today I'm particularly excited for our guest, Mr. Kevin McNeese, the president and founder, I believe, of New Release Today. Hey, Kevin, how are you?
2: Hey, good. Doing well. I've got to say I've I've had a number of conversations, but very much looking forward to this one because we get a park on all the music that I grew up with and uh has you know made made the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing today. So I'm excited to I'm excited for this conversation. Well good, yeah. And I really want
1: to get into that. And so um so it I am correct. You are the founder and president of New Release today. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and and so if if our audience doesn't um, isn't familiar with uh, NRT, I guess, and I want you to expound upon what I say, what I'm saying here. But it's kind of a, a a hub of all things Christian music media. I mean, if you go to y'all's website, yes, there is music there. There's podcasts. There's album reviews. There's videos there's devotionals there's coming soon album there's um uh, i mean it's kind of a hub of 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 it all right there in in one spot is that a good way to sum up a little bit of what you guys do and who you excellent. are
2: excellent yeah great job we're done <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, no really really good i think uh, we're we're celebrating year 22 uh just this past summer so started this 22 years ago um, we're now 120,000 pages plus in a, in a Christian music database that spans on the entire history of Christian music. And so not only do we have the basics of information on every album released and the tracks and the lyrics and the videos and just the just kind of I think a hub is a very good way to describe it. We're also producing um, original editorial devotionals, interviews. Um, We do a lot of looking back and just celebrating and a great anniversary albums. Uh And really, really with, with a, with a passion to let's remember what released and also let's look forward to what's new.
1: Well, and you know, back in the day, like some of our listeners might've even been subscribed to CCM magazine that used to exist. And, um, some of those resources used to be a little more available than they are now, and of course that was when the golden age of CCM the 90s. so I like the way that you said look back at what was good, but then also be looking forward and um there's not a lot of places that are doing what you guys are doing right now from unless there's something I'm missing. <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, there's a ha- there's a handful, but as far as as far as being as active as we are week in, week out, um, there really isn't. And and I I wish there were more as a fan of Christian music first. Right. Um, I would I would eat it up for sure. Yeah. Um, and and I think I think what we do is if it's faith based music in all genres, we want to talk about it and we want to find people who like to talk about it as well. And so yeah, just and building that, that actually- community over time has has been a lot of fun
1: and that was one of another question um as far as genres i mean i guess christian music um and contemporary christian music that can be two different things and you know gospel or um even even at um at mixtape recently we had some fans that reached out to us and said you never talk about christian metal and you know and, and that's not really like what rachel and myself at mixtape grew up on but we acknowledge sure. Striper and um, and then you know, and and so we began to we started having metal Mondays, and I made some silly memes. And and you know, some of our fans enjoyed that, um, because that was some of their experience, you know, that got them into Christian music coming from a some kind of metal scene. Now, do y'all touch all genres? Is it Christian hip hop? Is it Christian
2: metal? Is it gospel? Is it all the above. It's across the board. Uh, it's really all all the above. Um, we have always mixed it all together and just said we wanna we wanna celebrate great music and dis- we want you to be able to discover great music that supports your faith in all genres. And so we're actually um double downing double down, I don't know, uh on that moving <laughs> forward uh with with a redesign that we're working on this year. It's definitely going to define where we're going, where it's going to be Very genre specific. So if you only love rock, if you only love contemporary or worship, you'll be able to really look at only those genres on the site. Something you currently can't do. You just get a mix of everything. Um, and then, and then also, if you have a weird eclectic mix of music you love, you'll you'll be able to combine all those genres and have an NRT that's really catered towards you. So well, that's a look forward and where we're going. But genre is very important um, to people, and we cover it all. So if you
1: like Twilight Paris and Pod, you can there you find go, them both there at the same. time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> They're out there. I love Twilight Paris, and I love Pod, and Absolutely. I love Skillet. And I yeah. love Stephen Curtis Chapman. Right. <laughs> so,
1: yeah. so, um, so twenty-two years, and I know recently y'all had a uh, an awards like y'all do um, new release today awards similar to a Dove Awards kind of where you give out your own awards. So, tell me just a little bit about that. To me, that was really interesting that y'all that y'all do that.
2: Yeah, it's called the We Love Christian Music Awards. We just finished our 10th cycle. Um, So our 10th year of doing that, culminating in um, a big live event that we had in Memphis, Tennessee, hosted at Visible Music College. And uh, the desire there, as is the desire of everything that we do, is um, let's let's talk about something different instead of the same old stuff that everybody else is talking about. So I never want to go out and create a Dev Awards 2.0 or a Caleb Fan Awards 2.0. It's there, but we don't need another one. Um, but what we really saw is missing is is a celebration of the independent artists. Okay, good. That has definitely changed in the past decade. Um, and those artists are not being recognized by, by other award show entities. So I think that was a huge um, opportunity to do something different. Uh, to embrace independent artists as strongly as a signed artist. Cause let's, let's face it. The music is sometimes as good, if not better. And, um, and so that was the, that was the catalyst of let's do something different. And I think that's a good angle.
1: That That's fantastic. And even uh, our worship pastor here at, at church, um, he he's a songwriter and does some great stuff, but just even the music industry and the whole the idea of streaming is a great thing. Everything is so accessible, but it's harder, even maybe more than ever, that for those independent artists to, for one, to make any money, <laughs> uh, for people to know who they are. Yeah, I mean, yep. you're kind of self promoting, but but people aren't buying albums anymore, and it's just a challenging environment. So that's that's fantastic.
2: I I love walking alongside them and uh, them being independent artists and, and saying, okay, let's, let's, let's put you kid making music in your basement. Let's put you right next to Toby Mac and let's let the audience decide. I really don't think um, the audience cares anymore about where good music comes from. Um, They just want good music. And, and I think for NRT to exist the way it has, we've got to be introducing people to, to new stuff that they can discover. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's something different than what we're doing.
1: Hey, just to ch- chase a little rabbit trail, you said Toby Mac. Um, so obviously you doing what you do, you know, his, his album a couple weeks ago and just uh, everything he's been through with the loss of his son and our fans were super yeah. stoked. It was almost like a one-time reunion. You, you have a DC talk, the song, the space, on the on the the new album man those guys we were all surprised to hear them three singing together and sounding fantastic they didn't they didn't lose a beat
2: no it's an emotional experience for me every time i hear those guys sing together it's been seven years since they've done a new song and um and so just to hear that still i i teared up (laughs) I i mean there's just something special about those guys and it's so rooted into my early formation and just where where I was at those guys have a special place in my heart for sure and it was it's really cool to see them come together and do something plus the message of that song oh um, you know we're all we're all different we're all growing apart what are we going to do with this space in between us now Um, I think scripture has a good answer for that, but that doesn't make it easy. Yeah. Great song.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and since we're talking about DC talk, I mean, I've got a couple of other questions, but we were going to get to them. So let's just, let's just stay there for a minute. Um, sure. Their, uh, their 95 release Jesus freak was, that was a game changer in the industry. Um, I we I did a podcast with Steve Wiggins, the um, you know lead singer of Big Tent Revival, and and we were talking, and he was sitting at the the Dove Awards, and two sets of Joneses had just come out, and him and his bandmates from Big Tent Revival were sitting there, and and DC Talk took the stage, and Jesus Freak started, and he looked at his at the guys in the band, and he's like, um, we're gonna be okay, like it was. Like you know, them kind of being a, a, a more of a rock, and of course, um, not a heavy band, but yeah. just it was a genre changer. Like, hey guys, we've got a chance at this thing. If these guys can do this on stage at the Dove Awards, um, this this is a turning point. Uh, what What are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, it was a turning point, not only musically. It was a turning point for the entire. Christian music industry um and uh, I've done really a deep study on on 1995 and and how that album truly was transformational it was uh it, it was something different yes musically but also it introduced so much change to to what we know as 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 Christian music um mm. sound came online and started tracking uh Christian music for the first time which was just radically changed the entire retail landscape. Uh, it put it on the map and made it m- made it in everybody's face, and everybody started paying attention to it. But also big money started pouring into Christian music after mm-hmm. Jesus Freak, um, which uh, could be good and bad, depending on right. your uh, side of the aisle. But certainly money was n- pretty non-existent in Christian music. It was, a, it was a very independent. Um, and so you had the big universal... Ah, uh, Sony, um, right. Even even Warner Music come in and start dumping solid money into production, and so mm-hmm. you you go back and you listen to anything pre nineteen ninety five in Christian music. There's a good chance it's not going to hold up outside of personal nostalgia, <laughs> you know. Um, but you really start hearing the decade after Jesus Freak. You just you just hear the production go through the roof. Uh, and but, that's really where the early 2000s took on.
1: Yeah. And even the goodness, just the production on that album, like exactly like you're saying, it still holds up. Like, you don't think you're listening to an album that is 27 years old or whatever. Like, it's it's incredible. Yeah, No. Um, uh, our Rachel Cash, um, my partner in crime here at Mixtapes, she was at some concert she was a big DC talk fan and I'm not sure maybe it was one of these festivals or maybe it was an amusement park youth group day or something, but they hadn't really, the album was just coming out. And of course, everyone saw them as a hip hop group. And then that intro to Jesus freak started and people started headbanging and those guitar, like, what is this? Oh, I, I think I like this. and This is different. And, and but it's not just that song i mean it's it's an album that you can play so many you can just let it go through the whole album and 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 i want to skip that one man it it holds up
2: <laughs> it does and it came out in such a fun year i think um we look back at that 1995 and yeah yeah dc talk was um transformational but jars of clay debut album came oh. out the, which was incredible the the wow the wow series took off um there's a whole bunch of other uh, yeah. not as not as solid albums as far as success but it was just a great year right. for music that really catapulted heavily into the new decade um, right
1: and and if and you know i mean before that michael w smith and amy grant had the crossover appeal of course i mean amy was she you know she had a couple of big pop albums and even um, mm-hmm. seems like the Go West young man Smitty's album you know that had a couple of mainstream uh, that was but this just took it to another level I mean those guys I yeah. guess those guys opened the door and but but DC Talk just crushed it down um, and yeah and I guess jars of clay and and that first album I guess was flood also yep. crossover did that did that make mainstream airwaves Uh, seems like it did oh
2: yeah no flood was massive massive crossover hit uh from christian music to mainstream which was really unheard of you know before amy grant and michael w smith i mean right you're talking about commercial success which christian music did not know before Mm. before jesus freak maybe started to get to know during that amy michael years and um which was right around that time right in fact that I'm not entirely sure when their crossover was. Was it before Jesus Freak or right after? Do you, yeah, do you that,
1: They were they were a little earlier '90s. Just yeah, um, so early '90s. Amy and Michael kind of started having a little bit of success. Like I, I remember sitting in in my college cafeteria in 1992, and um, and hearing "I will be here for you." You know, like. Uh, that that kind of Michael W. Smith, that right. was like on the the rotation play with the pop songs, and that was 92. So I know, and Baby Baby and Amy right. Lander, yeah. that stuff was happening a little bit before Jesus Freak. But once Jesus Freak happened, it was
2: whatever your top... Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Heart, heart Emotion was 91, Yeah, you know, you're hitting 32 years now, um, and... and Definitely, definitely caught everybody's attention. You gotta wonder if um really looking at Jesus Freak would Jesus Freak ever existed without Heart and Motion right. or without change your world. Right. Um, you know, because there was definitely there was definitely some money into into Jesus Freak for sure. I I do remember uh interview that I saw with Forefront um DeGarmo, DeGarmo and Key. They were right. they were heavily involved with Forefront's launch. And it was like, well, why did you sign DC Talk? And he goes, well, because no one else would. And so there's definitely, this is not, this was a surprise hit. Jesus mm-hmm. Freak was a surprise hit. It wasn't like, you know, we're following the lead of other people. Um, because it was rock and because it was a different genre, for sure.
1: Yeah. So what was your uh, introduction into um, <laughs> in, into this world? Like, was it Jesus Freak or... Had you, you know, what, what was, what opened your eyes? Well, I guess here's a great question. What was your first contemporary Christian album that you, you started kind of drinking the Kool-Aid and, and loving what was going on?
2: <laughs> like, I need more of this. That tasted right. good. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, I was at a youth group event. I had to be 13 and uh, we were over at a girl's house. We're all downstairs in the basement listening to cassette tapes. And, uh, and it was, um, audio adrenaline's don't censor me. Mm. And, uh, one of those good albums, pre Jesus freak that does not hold up. (laughs) Okay. Even with the nostalgia of, of what that means to me in my life, I listened to it. I'm like, yikes, (laughs) no one's going to get this album now, you know? Um, but, but that was, that was my first introduction to it a year later. Uh, was called into music ministry at a missions trip after performing a human video to Carmen's um, Champion. Oh yeah! Uh, and so that album and song has a special place in my heart, and uh, and and certainly, certainly called me into the world of Christian music.
1: I went to a lock-in at a friend's youth group. And and like for the little devotional time and whoever the youth pastor that was there, he did his, his his devotional. And then they did the same kind of drama to champion. And it was like a boxing match. And there were the yep. demons and the And then it was like a Rocky movie. And yeah, um, that's I human, human videos.
2: What happened to human videos? I'm a youth leader <laughs> and have been for, well, gosh, five years now. I don't think I've seen a single human video. Yeah, they don't understand it. Yeah.
1: so yeah that don't censor me and of course I mean a lot of the people listening will I mean that's that's the album that big house was on that's still a favorite of everyone's Um, but it is interesting how some of those big albums don't hold up as well you know even some of the newsboys stuff sometimes you'll hear it like man this holds up and then sometimes you're like this doesn't hold up Um, yeah this production quality 25 years ago yeah
2: what is it the going public album though That Mm -hmm. has enough nostalgia for me that I'll go back and listen to that now, and I'm still just like this. This is great. This is great. I think snark snark uh, goes across all decades, (laughs) right? (laughs) And so that's what Newsboys has going for
1: them. (laughs) Well, and for me, that like that's what for him is. It's so nostalgic. That was my intro. Um, I graduated from high school, and the youth pastor gave us a cassette tape. Their their most their it was their second album, Face the Nation. And like, I played that cassette tape until, I mean, the, the, you know, back in the day you'd have a cassette tape and the, you couldn't even see the songs. They would be wiped out on the cassette and yeah. you just knew what, and like, and I can hear that. And somebody else like, man, this is a cheesy old album. <laughs> I'm like, man, I could listen to this all day long. This was, yeah. you know, it was really important to me. It was vital in my discipleship and loving this music. So, yeah.
2: What's well, fun. um Just fun side note. And I, I am going to name drop, which I try not to do, but it is it, as a Christian music fan. First, it's always fun to just be in this world and yeah. and, and find out where God takes you. But we do um, we do syndication uh, production at, at new release today. So s- syndicated shows radio can pick up a two hour show and play across the nation. You know, so we've got 600 radio stations we work with and Andy Chrisman uh, produces Worship which is a two-hour membership oh, yeah. show, and Andy is part of For Him, and we talk on a regular basis about that show, and every time I'm just like, I'm talking to the guy that was in For Him. This is amazing and incredible, and it's just really fun to see him still out there doing stuff.
1: Yeah, and I do. We have actually reached out to Andy because uh, at Mixtape Theology, we've got a devotional in the work, and Andy is one of our endorsers. On oh, our cool. Book, we've got Andy Crispin from Crispin from For Him, and, I mean, to me, he is the top vocalist in that group, that guy could soar i loved all four of them but man he he could just pierce it was so clear um such a unique voice you heard it on the radio like that's for him i mean um, incredible vocalist so yeah Agreed. Yep. so so you, you grew up listening to 90s music and you had don't censor me and you heard jesus freak so how does that lead to you Becoming the founder and president of New Release Today, I mean, it sounds like a cool job. But like, how? And and so you're right there. And 22 years ago, did it start small? Social media. What was kind of what? What was the story that got you? What you're doing?
2: I, I love I love how God arranged the story, and I love telling it. It was, um, you know, my passion for Christian music led me to get a job at a local Christian bookstore and i managed the music department for two years and it was like we're talking about top of retail before internet before anybody's buying you know we're still dealing physical product and street dates are on tuesdays and you know we have balloons and parties when every tuesday and you put out (laughs) new you unpack the seat it was just great it was a great time and i'm so glad that i had that in my in my my past that I have. Go to the, the listing physical. station
1: and push the button
2: with yep. the headphones and demo everything. CDs, right? Yep. <laughs> Cassette <laughs> tapes, performance tapes, and all that, all that night. It was it was great. Um, I loved it, and I love retail, and uh, it really. I I don't know if you remember the days of um, oh, what do they call it? They were like, they were like two foot by two foot square cardboard of the album covers oh yeah absolutely yeah and we would i i would get paid to go in the back room for hours on end and make shapes and 3d objects out of these cardboard and hang them up from the it was, it was the best job in the world i loved it um but that led to a job at uh home office of family christian stores um and this was in the uh, the year 2000 when the internet was like exploding and everybody was dumping money into this new weird worldwide web and i was trying to figure out what it was i'm 21 years old young kid um and the only guy on the team that really knows what html is i'm, I'm taught myself and and so i get this job uh nationally to promote christian music from editorial uh, standpoint and interview christian artists and then the idea was people would come to the site to read this and then they would buy music uh on online totally untested <laughs> theory mm-hmm. and uh, that led to uh, me going to uh, nashville with the music buying team for retail and and meeting a whole bunch of really cool people um and i was the young guy in the room we were uh we were in a brainstorming meeting for avalon's o2 record Okay. Which was their big remix record that they were coming out. And um, this was EMI back in the day. Now is Capitol Records. And the team was looking at our team going, Our research tells us that 80% of Avalon's fans have no idea when they're going to release a new record. How do we tell them? How do we how do we reach out to them? And punk kid in the corner of me raises my hand. And I'm like, Well, why don't we post the release date online? <laughs> and then we'll we'll pre-order that and tell everybody it's coming and then we'll make a big deal about it. And they were not for it at all. They're like, no, we can't tell anybody this record's coming. Our, we, don't, we don't want our competitors to know. Um, street dates are very locked down. We're not announcing it. I'm like, well, that's that's dumb. <laughs> so went back to the office and asked my boss. I'm like, why don't we just pre-order everything? Because as a, as a retail chain, we were only doing like one pre-order a quarter. And all the focus was on that. And like, let's pre-order everything. Just put every album online. Uh, we've got to publish the street date. People need to know when they're going to get their product. So then we have a release schedule and new music that comes out every Tuesday. Let's set up a second site and we'll create this online party called New Release Tuesday. Mm. and the domain's available. We'll do newreleaseTuesday.com. He's like, that sounds great, Kevin. That's a great way to keep you out of my hair. Why don't you work on that and quit bugging me? I'm going to go over here and do all the things that make us money. And so they let me just play with that idea. Um, fast forward six years, I left Family Christian Stores, and I said, hey, nobody's paying attention to this. Can I take it on as my own? They're like, yeah, whatever. We don't even care that you still do this. And so they signed it over to me and um i've been kind of running it ever since and it's 22 years you don't get from point a to point b in 20 like overnight it's sure. <laughs> it's a slow Absolutely. growth yeah. and then when uh you know fast forward to 2015 the industry moved from tuesday street dates to friday street dates i'm almost done if the story is really boring you <laughs> and uh, no, and great. we pivoted to new release today instead of new release tuesday and that's where we are now
1: oh that's fantastic um, Rachel here at mixtape, that was her high school job at family Christian stores in middle Tennessee. Yes. That's nice. So her, you and her probably had a lot in common in the, yeah. uh, <laughs> making those cardboard things in the back room or whatever. Oh yeah. Uh, so, wow. But that was, uh, like you were kind of ahead of your time, like saying stuff that now seems well duh, that's of course that's what we do, but but right. the big shots weren't quite seeing it yet then, huh?
2: No, it was so fun. I mean, to be able to do this before um, before Apple, before Facebook, before social was even existing. Um, and just have my feet in both worlds and know the before and after. To, to get a front row seat of how much the industry has changed in 20, 30 years and still is rapidly changing today um i feel i feel blessed really honestly i really do
1: but, but you know but you're talking about changing in industry uh, we we did a great um we did a great podcast with michael card um which you know again was definitely before the explosion of things but you think of the guy that wrote el Die" and just incredible theologian songwriter but probably was never um really on the commercial side of things, but definitely had a following, but I know he struggled with a lot of that. And when you did start having Stephen Curtis Chapman and DC talk and, and it was some of those guys kind of got left in the dust that were true, kind of like some of the guys that you're trying to promote now that were true, incredible artists. Yeah. And, and, uh, and it's kind of, there's been a evolution and some of that needed to happen. It was a good thing to get it out there. Um, And so, I mean, everyone's going to have different opinions on what they like. Was this a good change? Was it not a good change? Uh, We hear a lot of people say now, well, Christian music's just not what it was 20 years ago and they play the same stuff. It all sounds the same. But 20 years ago, people were kind of saying the same thing. I I mean, what are your thoughts on what it's gone through and where Christian the Christian music industry is? right now. And again, that's a tough question. I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot, say anything negative, but I I would be interested to hear your thoughts, good or bad.
2: Yeah, no, it's for me, it's an easy question to answer really, but it's a complex, well, what, what's the, like, what's the other side of that coin? And I don't have an answer for the other side. I think the, um, I think the industry at large is following the technology Mm. and, and I think it's I think it's the music industry at large, certainly not just Christian music. But um, if I were if I were a Christian music fan right now, I would be I, I would bet that I would be lost. I would be disenfranchised. I would be frustrated um, and I'd probably be parking on what I know. Right. Um, the if you think of the amount of music coming out right now, it's astonishing. I don't know how anybody is paying attention to anything uh, anymore. So I think the largest thing facing an artist is the same thing facing a consumer. It is incredibly hard to park and know music, Mm. um, because there's so much coming wave after wave week after week. And, and it's all like, it's all, it's all quality. um, I think I think the album being split up and, and splintered into 10 different marketing pieces and singles has been just um it's been harmful to the consumer but it's been great for the artist because they constantly have new product to engage the consumer right. with but that means the consumer is constantly fractured and splintered for their time and so is music being consumed at the same level as when we had a CD and wore the heck out of it no, uh, is that good or bad? I don't know, um, but I do think the the amount of music coming out. I, I heard, I heard it's been about a year um, since I've heard the stat updated, but about three thousand new songs a week just in the Christian music space, sixty to seventy thousand new songs across the board. I'm sure it's doubled. I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's eclipsed a week wow um are being released so in christian music alone across all genres consumers are being bombarded with twelve thousand new songs now obviously the majority of those are from kids in their basement you know <laughs> um, and nobody knows them or will know them uh but and i use that i, I shouldn't say kids in their basement that makes me sound old because i am old <laughs> but you know what i mean <laughs> yeah uh so I think that's the big challenge is how do we how do we truly uh, park and enjoy music instead of just moving on to what's next?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then that's kind of the way that our world is moving in, in all aspects right now. So, yeah, yeah. To, I have a nine-year-old daughter, and trying to teach her that very lesson in so many places is uh, really important.
2: I can't listen to music with my 16 year old daughter. I I love her to death, but the way she listens to music is in in the 32nd bites. Right. And it's like, just listen to the song at minimum. (laughs) We can listen to 14 artists today if you want to, but at minimum just hit play and let the song go for three minutes. But it's, there's always something, there's always something right around the corner that's better. And uh, certainly that's life. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, Kevin, I want to do uh, do one other thing, and we'll let you go here in a few minutes. But this yeah. is, this has been really enjoyable, a great conversation, and I think our our listeners are going to enjoy this podcast. So today, and I have no idea when this particular episode will release, but today it's near the end of August, and just today on our social media, we are we're kind of doing a a top five week, and today I po- poised the question. Um, Top five most influential artists of 90s CCM. Now, I have seen in our responses, we're we're getting some people are going the direction of most influential to just the genre and music, which was kind of the way that I I thought about when I posed the question. And then some are saying what was most influential to them. And Mm -hmm. so I guess there's two different ways, you know, maybe. Like, you know, you would probably say Don't Censor Me was most influential to you, but it wasn't one of the top five most influential albums of the 90s. It could be. Big, Big House was was big. So, so I had Jesus Freak number one, and I, I just don't know that you can. I mean, uh,
2: anybody not putting that in the top one or two, like, they're just not allowed into this conversation at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they don't know what they're talking about, so... Um,
1: Right. And then I I had Michael W. Smith, uh, Go West, Young Man, Change Your World around just, again, that little precursor to crossover. Not that it's about crossover, but just the commercialization, as you say, and the growth of the music and the audience. I've got Jars of Clay, um, their album, and that was, you know, for me and influential. And when I heard those fiddles and Goodness, that first album, it was almost this Gregorian chant coming in, that beginning song. And <laughs> and it was just it was folky, but it was rock and it was uh to me. I I hadn't heard anything like that. That yeah. there was the in Nashville, there was the the typical kind of Way FM, the poppy stuff, and then there was the the little more hardcore Christian stuff. And it was like, I thought when I was listening to Jars of Clay, I was listening to something edgy in 95, you know, right. Yeah, Uh, And so I've got them, I've got heart in motion, Amy Grant. And then, and then I do have Stephen Curtis Chapman great adventure because I mean, Steven just became the, as far as a solo singer, solo artist, singer songwriter, he just exploded in the nineties and is still going strong. Um, He
2: just, uh, he just announced a new album coming in a couple of months. October
1: 14th. We're counting the days here at Mixtape. Um, Pretty crazy. Yeah. So now since we've done this, you know, even today, I mean, people are making some great cases for some Newsboys albums. You know, someone mentioned Rich Mullins, and I almost felt bad that I didn't have him on the list. His In in the 90s? Early 90s. Okay. And Carmen was on some people's list. Some people are into OC Supertones, and I guess Sky was a different Kind of late 90s, um, you know, genre changer. We've had people talking about Rebecca St. James and her God album, which was huge. You had kind of the Alanis Morissette sound going, and now somebody, a Christian female that wasn't Amy Grant, but there was a little rock feel and it was a little heavier, but it was right. worth Man, it. It's a hard, it's a hard discussion to pick your top five, but I want to see what you had
2: to say. So I, I would say the I would say so you had two um you mentioned after DC Talk the the artist you mentioned after that was Michael W Smith correct right and you had two albums there did those both make the top yeah, 5
1: I, I had go West Young Man because it seems like that started having more mainstream two or three mainstream songs but Change Your World it, his concerts kind of started becoming a more of a rock concert pop yeah I don't know that was hard to decide but I I mean didn't... if you're
2: if you're talking best of decade, it's for me that's an easy one. It's change your world um because because that's the one that really put him on the mainstream map and it had right. a, a massive impact um and the sales numbers would probably not that that matters in these conversations but if I'm building my case, sure sure <laughs> the change change your world uh is, is definitely the thing as long as those aren't taken like number two and number three then no 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 no. i think we're okay yeah um i think third day is an artist in there i didn't hear you mention and they're definitely um they definitely had an amazing early or later run but came alive in the 2000s right. um and i mean there there's just so many, there's so many great artists, like you said, for him and, and crystal Lewis and Catherine Toccoli and point of grace and Jackie Velasquez. And um, if I'm looking for the best of of the, the 1990s though, I think the contemporary music scene was so established mm. that I'm not going to give any of them the top five. Cause they almost give a, they, they almost get a free pass. Like, the albums that make that top five have to be inventive, pushing the genre forward, which I think that's why mm-hmm. Jesus Freak and Flood are great choices. An audio adrenaline album may be in there. Um, Newsboys, maybe? Uh, Newsboys, well, which one? So they have. Uh, maybe they the had one like that Shine was
1: on. Shine became huge. I don't know. I'm not, I can't remember the name of the album, but that was big time
2: shine or take me to your leader and right. I, I, I can't remember take me to your leader was was in the 1990s um but if i'm going to choose between one or the other shine shine wins you listen to that album today and it's still it's still just awesome yeah. yeah um uh so yeah i think you've got a really good a really good list and i think your audience knows music enough to that they're rounding up that that top 10 to be really nice <laughs> avalon um was another was another absolutely, really yeah. solid group. Testify to love, I think was an amazing record.
1: Yeah, late nineties. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Good stuff. Man, Kevin, this has been been
1: great. One last question. So if you're not listening to Christian music and you're turning on Spotify or Apple Music or whatever, what, what what's your go-to if it's not because I listen to a lot of different stuff. I mean, I listen to Christian music, but there's There's a few other genres outside of the Christian genre that'll make my playlist. So what, what is it for you?
2: Oh, if I, if I personally am not listening to Christian music. Personally, this is. Yeah. I mean, I listen to a lot of, a lot of pop, um, a lot of rock, 21 pilots. I'm a huge Justin Bieber fan and I'm not afraid to, I'm not afraid to say it out loud.
1: (laughs) Me, uh, When we were talking about our daughters a minute ago, my nine-year-old, like, there is a Justin Bieber Spotify channel, and so I know the songs I have to skip, like, yeah. like in my car, I'm like, all right, we can't listen, we can't listen, but, uh, and, and, of course, she's, you know, she likes the old stuff, and, but, the- yeah.
2: You when know, you talk about uh, like, I believe Elton John and Britney Spears just released a new single together, and I listened to it. And I'm like, this is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just it's two thousands pop. It's the NSYNC, the Backstreet Boys, the Britney yeah. Spears. The, the those that was that was my era too. So, you see, I'm a U two guy. Just the
1: Joshua Tree album, and which had its own history of influencing probably the whole worship movement and that sound. Um, I'm oh, a yeah. big U2 fan and 80s pop music. So I, I find myself listening to a lot of that as well.
2: There'd be no Delirious without U2. There'd be nope. no Sonic Flood without Delirious. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, our
1: guest has been Kevin McNeese from New Release Today. And so um, tell everybody where they where they can find you. Just, I mean, it's, they can just Google new, new release, release today. today. We've
2: Come got, right up. yeah, yep, we've got the brand everywhere. So whether whether you're on social or uh, we are an Apple Music curator, one of eight in the entire Christian music space. So we do playlisting on Apple Music, uh, playlisting on Spotify as well. It's a great place to start if you want to uh, hear what's new. We curate those playlists weekly. Uh, we've also got a rewind playlist if you're into nostalgia. We've got a great re- rewind playlist and. Gosh, I hit play on that all the time and listen to all my old-time favorites. So.
1: Well, man, this has been a real joy. We really appreciate your time today. And uh, to all you mixtape theologians out there, thanks for listening today. We love interacting with you and um, just reminiscing about this music we love and um, thinking about the influence that it had on our lives. And today has just been a, a fun conversation, Kevin. We really appreciate it. And we will talk to you soon at Mixtape Theology. Blessings.
0: The Mixtape Theology Podcast is part of the NRT Podcast Network. Find more Christian music-related podcasts at newreleasetoday.com.